Rusty Quill presents. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, survivors. Stick around after the show for some more information on the future of Wake of Corrosion. For now, though, enjoy the season two finale. Wake of Corrosion, season two, episode ten, part two. What happens after? This is Professor Ryan of Bunker A12. This is a public broadcast to any survivors out there. Before I begin, please be aware that I advise listener discretion going forward as some of the content of this broadcast can be unsettling or disturbing. Still nothing, survivors. Still nothing from Claire or Naya or anyone. I've managed to locate a few school buildings around the area of Ralford, but from here it's just futile. Regardless of whether I know which building it is or not, short of leaving A12, there's really not much else I can do. I'm not going to hide from you that it's incredibly difficult at A12 right now. More... More people have stepped through the rift here, despite our best efforts to stop them, despite our warnings, despite the fact that no one has come back. Perhaps... Perhaps it's the lack of hope. Perhaps it's the lack of anything different. 
than these four was. I don't know. Our resolve to continue is rapidly decreasing, and I fear for the safety of our residents, not only physically, but mentally too. The toll of our ongoing loss is becoming unbearable. I still hold myself accountable for Naya and allowing her airtime. But I know I can't keep wallowing in that despair. It'll get me nowhere. And right now, well, right now, finishing this broadcast might, just might. And past that? Well, we'll see. Before I begin with the remainder of the brother's story, I'd like to send out one more message in the hopes that either Claire or Naya will hear it. Claire, if you're out there and you're listening, I hope you're safe and I'm sorry I got you involved in this. I should have let you go to find your family. I shouldn't have asked anything of you. If you're able to get in touch, even to let me know you're okay, please do. Tanaya, I don't know what your plan is here. Whether you meant to sow such discourse amongst the residents of A12 and likely to our survivors further afield or... Your motives were more benign, I'm not sure, but if Claire or other innocent survivors are with you, I implore you, do the right thing, the moral thing. Deep down, I know you know what that is. I do. If anyone out there has any knowledge they'd like to share, then now would be a good time. I'll continue with the brother's story. We're coming up on the end now, so... Whatever happens, happens. We'll be discovering this together. One more dash. One more. That's all it should take. I think the last record we have of anything was running away last night, this morning, um, whenever it was. I'm going to give you a recount of that night. My right hand aches with the pain of my missing fingers and is exacerbated by the ongoing hold. My left, well, it's getting better. I found a decent pair of gloves in someone's house and I can just about manage writing in them. I'd say this is legible enough, I think. Either way, we're not recording anything, not until we reach A12. The batteries are getting low. It seems like the cold is seeping power from them. So we're saving what we can. I want the last thing we record to be the voice of someone greeting us at A12. That's the last of my hope right there. If you needed to know. So this morning, I don't know what time it was. Some ungodly hour that I shouldn't have been awake. I mean, I wasn't, until Roman shook me. When I was able to unstick my eyes and kick my brain into gear, I realised. I realised just how panicked he was. Then I heard the thing. The spider, I'll call it. I'll explain. Just, um, just give me a sec. All I could do was swear. I mean, looking back, it just seems silly, but what do you do when you're afraid? You just shout profanities or go silent? Neither helps. Well, okay, maybe going silent would have helped, but uh, I didn't have my most rational head on. Haven't for a while. Just then I felt a kick of adrenaline pulse through me, and my rigidly cold body lurched to standing, and I was on terrified autopilot, shoving my sleeping bag into the straps of my backpack, like I've done so many times now. It's almost second nature. Waking up in a cold, fearful sweat is the norm. I didn't bother taking my shoes off when I slept. I stopped doing that a while ago. 
the longest thing it takes to get on? Shoes. The most likely thing to mess up when you're running away? Shoelaces. And that's why I tie them up before I sleep. Real tight. God, what have I become? Just looking back at what I've I've written down here, I shouldn't... Never mind. The wind was howling a little less than the night before when we bolted out that front door. It was still bitingly cold out there, but there were the smallest hints of a less stormy day approaching, a stillness returning to what was a rough white sea. I remember being so very thankful I spent time drying up my socks last night, only to go and step straight into a shin-deep pile of snow in our rush to escape. Of all the things, though, that really should have been the least of my concerns. But you know how it is. Your brain always leaps to the stupidest thing when it really ought to be focusing on something else. I get that a lot. Do you know the saying, curiosity killed the cat? Well, I was nearly that cat. When you're just running away from a sound, your mind flicks a little switch. A switch that says, I wonder what it is. A switch that says, perhaps if I knew, I could get away from it better. And try, and try it will to justify why you should find out just what horror it is you're so afraid of. Despite the fact that there's another, deeper-rooted part of your lizard brain that says, just fucking run. But we all like to ignore our instincts, don't we? We think we're better than that. And that's how we end up in these messes. That's how Roman and I ended up alone in the first place. Ignoring the signs from our lizard brains shouting about how very wrong everything all was. Anyway, the cat and the spider. I'm the cat. We were running down the street, weaving between crashed cars and snowdrifts, desperately looking for the path of least resistance. Roman stops a second to see which way is best to go. Just a second. That's all. And the curious temptation of peeking, looking behind, it takes over. And down the street, I see nothing. Nothing but our footprints in the snow. The cars and the white debris scattered about the place. I hear Roman make a sound of approval, a sign I should follow, but I just don't do it because I just don't see it. I don't see what we're running from. It's all just white until out the corner of my right eye, I see something move ever so slightly my body stays completely still only my eyes shift slightly up to the right and there about two houses down stretched across nearly half of the house front is what at first looks like a spider in stark contrast to the utterly blinding white that's all around The spider has a black, spindly body, with legs that pierce into the brickwork, bent, poised. 
The insinuation of how long they could be at full stretch was sickening. Even now I don't know how many legs the thing had. I'm not going to say a number. It'd only give you an idea that was no doubt lower than the actual amount. They were like that of a millipede or something similar. But on a rounded body that curled up at the end into what I can only imagine was some sort of stinger. Like a scorpion, maybe. In the last moments I was able to see the thing, I caught sight of the part that I don't believe I'll ever forget. Its face. The front of its body reared up like some sort of praying mantis, but at the end of it, no insect-like head, but a human one. A human-shaped skull, with black tendrils splayed out from behind it like a halo of rotting vines. The thing must have known I was looking at it, for it inclined its head toward me, in that same way a dog does when it's uncertain. But there was no innocence or curiosity in that head tilt. There was only hunger. Like the cold, focused stare of a panther fixated on its prey. Only then did I hear Roman calling my name. By the way he sounded, he must have said it a few times already. I turned and ran, knocking into him as I did, causing him to slip down where the curb must have been, disguised by the thick snow. I instinctively reached down and yanked him back up again, pulling him up to my speed. He cried out in pain and cursed under his breath, but his focus on escaping remained. I could hear the thing now, the oily spider preying on us. I could picture the thing tearing its way across the wall of houses, the flow of its movement like the rush of a hundred feet across a crowded path, each moment bringing it closer. In a moment of clarity, I dragged Roman into an alleyway and headed down it, between the undulating garden walls and the varying depth from the terraced house edges. I hoped to slow the thing down. It soon became clearer that my efforts were only marginally successful. Even so... The alleyway proved hazardous in current conditions. More uneven floor was hidden here, along with debris of overturned black bins and general waste people had dumped over the years. It was as much a stroke of luck than it was skill that we made it out of the other side without breaking a leg. Seeing that we were widening the gap, the thing leapt at us. I do not know how close it came. I do not want to know but I distinctly recall hearing the sound of bricks cracking against one another, from what I can only assume was the force of the thing launching itself off a wall, followed by the dull thud of them disappearing into the deep snow. Then, Roman and I, almost in unison, holding our breaths, closing our eyes, tensing as we waited for our inevitable demise. Only instead to be greeted with a dull, clattering of plastic, metal, followed by a piercing howling sound. Without looking back, we redoubled our efforts and put good distance between us and our hunter. My legs burned with fatigue and my face burned with cold as we headed down a long set of steps between overhanging trees. When we finally reached the bottom, my shins aching with the repetition of leaping down so many steps, we dashed into the narrow subway passage that lay before us. Despite the fact that somewhere, in my imagination, 
it looked like a gaping maw ready to swallow us whole. I knew this place was too small for that creature, or at least I hoped it was, and that was enough to convince me to head inside. I stopped toward the end of it, clutching onto Roman, indicating for him to do the same. It's too big, I said. The thing, it's too big to make it through here. Let's stop. But he wasn't convinced. We have to keep moving, he said. This is the last stretch of our journey. I think we can make it before we have to rest. He was, of course, wrong. The injury he'd sustained when I ran into him really started to slow us down once the adrenaline wore off. That's what did it, really. What made it take another day? We haven't seen or heard of that creature again since it made that leap at us. I don't know what happened behind us, but I know that we were incredibly lucky to have gotten away. I can still vividly recall the intense look of hunger permeating that creature's many eyes. I wish I'd never looked at it. I can't stop seeing it now, lurking in the shadows. The shadows that seem to be everywhere. Always in the corner of my eye. Never anything there. Speaking of shadows, we've yet to see any on this stretch of journey. There's not any sign of movement, animal or otherwise. We'd have seen it in the snow, but it's not there. Everything is like those glorious first moments in the morning after heavy snowfall the night before. Blankets of untouched snow covering everything, but glorious isn't at all the word to use to describe this experience. It's eerie. Unsettling. I've not been able to really rest where we set up tonight. That's why I'm writing this. I can't... I can't settle. There's an emptiness in my stomach that's threatening to drive me mad and I'm convinced it's working, with the itch at the back of my neck. It happened again. A few minutes ago whilst I was writing, I um, I felt something move back there. But Romy's asleep, and I, and I know how precious sleep has become to both of us. What if there is something under my skin? Something crawling around in that subcutaneous layer? Nothing more than a lump on the outside. But who knows what underneath? And doing... Who knows what? Sometimes when I think about it too much, which, uh, well, for me is an awful lot of the time, I can imagine it working its way round my neck and feeling it push out the tighter skin over my jawline, seeing myself in the mirror, raise my hand to my cheek, powerless to stop it, desperately trying to stop it as the thing slides its way up to my eye and pushes its way out. Wriggling, squirming. And it's always oily and grey, like the husk grey. I. I should. I should stop. It's. Uh, it's not helping. I, I. I let my imagination become my reality too often, and it's. Um, it's unhealthy. I've moved to the window. We're upstairs in this person's house. They've got a sort of den room set up which turned out to be the warmest place by far. Roman and I decided not to have a fire tonight, figuring that's what attracted the spider-like thing before, even if it did choose to strike after the fire had already gone out. Perhaps that's why. Anyway, the window. It's a clear night tonight, 
I didn't think the clouds would ever part, but it seems as though the high winds have swept them away, leaving a beautiful night sky for us. For me. I remember a while ago, one night, when I was panicked out of my mind, no doubt. I wrote in my book, where is it? There. There are so many stars. So many, many stars. In huge letters. On a page of this journal. Only now as it dawned on me, I've not really looked back up since. I I mean, sure, I've seen the night sky, but... I've never really thought to look. To even check if it's clear. It absolutely is now. And it's... Well, it's magical, to say the least. It's hard to believe that after living in the snow-fueled monochromatic wasteland for days that the night sky could be so vibrant. I'd almost forgot about such colour. Such depth. And now I'm absolutely lost for words of how to explain it. It's like... Imagine you've got a pool of still black liquid. And you've dropped in this luminescent red food colouring that swirls and radiates in all directions as it hits the water. And along the way it flares and sparks with the most vibrant red pulses like embers in a fire. Then in amongst the red you sprinkle fields of blue starlight that shimmer as clouds in all gaps between the spiralling arms of crimson now hewn with a radiant aura of indigo. And finally... From deep within what remains a visible black liquid, these sunspots of yellow and fox fur orange grow and complement all the spaces in between. And what you're left with, what you're left with is this dance of colour and starlight sweeping across the pool of black like a theatre of the heavens. If this is all the beauty that's left in the world, then at least I'm here with it. At least I've got this. As much as I'll miss the potential chance of this enchanting sky, all being well, this is our last night out here before A12. And if it's not, we're done for. I'm going to try and get some rest now. Next time I write in this journal, I'll be in A12, after being greeted at the door. That's the last of my hope. Right there. In case you wanted to know. I don't think I need to tell you, survivors, that the brothers don't make it here. Under what circumstances that happens, well, we're yet to find out. But I can't help but feel a sense of sorrow here at Elliot's entry. Although it isn't his final one, might I add. His description of the night sky, it it matches, well, supports my earlier thoughts, that's for sure. It's as beautiful as it is unsettling to know that that's what the night sky could look like. Providing his description is accurate, of course. Unfortunately, as I only have first-hand accounts, I cannot speak of the brother's mental stability in confidence. Even if that were the case, that two galaxies had collided, what that means for our world, well, I can't even be certain. But I'm hauntingly reminded of something Sarah said, Claire's friend at Ralford. I recall her saying something along the lines of a thing, an entity, perhaps, that reached out from somewhere far away and touched us. She said it wouldn't let go. I wish, I wish I had proof of any of these things, some validity to go with it. Clutching at straws is a tiresome task, but I fear, I fear so strongly that there are forces at play here 
that are so widely beyond our comprehension that I, we might never truly find out. But listen, survivors, we must not lose hope here. Humans have lived for so long not knowing the true origin of life, only living with speculation instead. For what is life without great mysteries? We're still here. We are still alive. And for now, for now, that's what matters. We'll finish up this broadcast with the final entry from Roman's voice recorder. I'm in the dark here as much as you, survivors. Let's begin. Okay, it's on. I'm fastening it to this strap on my back, though. My bloody hands are freezing. Yeah, G- good idea. My- mine too. I'm glad the snow isn't as deep here, though. I, uh... oh, I seriously hope they've got some food in there. Could have done with it being a little deeper on the road outside, though. Am I right? The set of legs in the middle of the road were not something I wanted to see. Frozen and half-covered or not. Just just mentioning them. Anyway, change of subject. I'm sure they will have plenty of food in A12. Even if there's not anyone there. Don't. Don't say that. There's got to be. Right? At, At this point... Oh, fuck. It's cold. I, I don't know, and I'd rather not speculate. I know what you mean, though. The last few bits we ate didn't really feel like much. I suppose that's what... Oh, that's what happens when you leave the dried pasta sachets till last. Cold isn't helping. It's like all of my energy has been sapped away. How's your ankle? Oh, it's still killing me, man. I'll look properly when I'm inside. Should be just the other side of this woodland. Yeah. Um, We've just gone past the entrance sign, so um, it's just this woodland. Then there'll be a fence just after, and then a clearing. Then, then A12. So we should be able to see it as soon as we're out the other side. Oh, fuck. Stop. Stop. I think it's gone. Let me see. I, I can see something. I can I can see it. Say something. Sorry. Um yeah. Okay. I yeah, I can I can see something. It's um I can see uh, uh fuck them. Wait, what what are you doing? Well, I'm not staying out here any longer for these things to start creeping their way out of me to that monstrosity. We're getting to A12 and we're heading inside. We can deal with this fucking fucked up mess later alright let's go then quietly here we go I can see the fence just up ahead yeah same Um, I can't see A12 yet though there there's a gap in the fence on the left see it let's head over there and slip through 
All right. Elliot. I... I know what you're going to say. Where the fuck is it? It... It should be here. Like... Right in the middle of this clearing. Hold up. Oh, shit. Roman. Roman, come here. Elliot. Elliot, that's a crater. That's an empty fucking crater. But I don't... I, I don't understand. How... How is this even possible? We, we heard the broadcast. It was literally a couple of days ago. No. No, 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 no. It has to be here. Elliot, it has stop. to be. No, Roman, it has to be here. 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 What are you doing? It has to be here. Elliot, what are you doing? It has to be here. It has to be here. It has to be here. Elliot. No, you can't just walk away. Elliot, it's gone. There's nothing here. This is where it should be. A12 doesn't exist. Elliot! Elliot! Elliot, come back. Elliot! For fuck's sake. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. A12 isn't here. Oh, my children and my wife ain't here. Elliot's gone. There's nothing. There's fucking nothing. Fuck. Ow. Oh, my hand. What the... Oh, oh God. No. No. Elliot! Ah! Oh, fuck! Elliot! Ah! No, 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 no. Not not again. No. No. No! If you enjoyed listening to Wake of Corrosion, then check out our friends, Dark Tides. Dark Tides is a paranormal actual play podcast that releases episodes every two weeks. The show centres on Ernest Marsh, a young park ranger, and his best friend Alistair Stern, as they attempt to untangle twisted supernatural mysteries in the small island town of Port Staples. The show is currently airing its third season. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Dark Tides. The archipelago is shrouded in mist, dense forests, rocky shorelines, frail towns. 
Ernest, welcome to the archipelago. How can so many people be missing and no one knows what's happening? Ernest, it's not that simple. The archipelago isn't like anywhere you've ever been. There are there are things here, things no one wants to believe exist. There are people who are trained to deal with these sort of things. Do you have any idea what's in these woods? Little boy, this place will eat you alive. My name is Ernest Marsh, I'm a park ranger in the Hooper Archipelago, and I'm going to save you. Dark Tides is a bi-weekly actual play audio drama series. You can find Dark Tides Seasons 1, 2, and 3 wherever you get your podcasts. For bonus episodes and ongoing miniseries, check out our Dark Tides Patreon. I'm certain you won't regret giving this show a go, especially if you enjoyed the vibe of Wake of Corrosion. Before the credits, I wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who has supported the show since we started. From our faithful listeners followers on social media, my friends and family, as well as other shows that have offered support, advice, friendship and so much more. And finally, to our generous Patreon subscribers, Indike, Laurel, Nath, Paul, Trace, AJ Pumpkin, Austin Danger and Twiglets. Your contributions mean everything to the show and will help towards making season 3. And that's right, there will be a third season of Wake of Creation. It's been an amazing experience making this show, and there's plenty more to come. Thank you for listening, and in the downtime between seasons, don't wander in the dark. Survivors, just one last message from me. If you'd like to support us here at Bunker A12, to help us keep sharing the stories of our shattered world with you, then please consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash wake of corrosion there are plenty of extra insights available there as well as letters to shadows a monthly series of additional stories from other survivors like yourselves any contributions will be hugely beneficial to help keep us from wandering in the dark thank you for listening for news and updates follow us on instagram and twitter at wake of corrosion Wake of Corrosion was written, directed, and produced by Sean Pellington, with voice acting from Kieran Walsh as Professor Ryan, Lee Pellington as Roman, Sean Pellington as Elliot, Brianne Leeson as Claire, title and credits read by Adele Clear. Our introduction theme, Shadowlands 5, Antichamber, and outro theme, Phantasm, were created by Kevin MacLeod, Sourced from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. Both pieces have been reduced from their originals with fade-out, added voiceover, and radiostatic effects. Morse Code SFX, courtesy of Stephen C. Phillips of MorseCode.world. All other sound effects are self-recorded from SoundSnap.com or Zapsplat.com. For our full list of credits, please visit the website in our show notes. Thank you again for listening. Who's that? Oh. Okay. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>